Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got uh, a lot of football to talk about. Spring football is now underway. If you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, we're recording this Monday, so we'll be starting up tomorrow. But uh, exciting time. Spring football is uh, really uh, something I think a lot of people have been looking forward to, just given last year not having it. We saw the impact that it had all across college football. So Excited to see um, you know what these guys can do. Of course, with basketball now being done, it kind of shifts focus right into spring practice that way. So looking forward to covering and touching on that. We've got some basketball news to touch on as well. A little bit of, of stuff happened over this past weekend, um, so we'll get to the news there. But mostly today, we're, we're going to talk about some storylines to watch in the football side, maybe get into some position battles that we're interested in looking at as spring practice gets underway. It's an exciting time. For Wisconsin football fans out there getting closer and closer to eventually being back in Camp Randall. Um, so a lot of exciting stuff going on. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, I think everybody's excited about spring spring football being back. Uh, I think the Badgers especially, that was something that I think they desperately needed last year. And as the developmental program, it's so important. So I'm, I'm excited that they're back and hopefully it can be much more normal than what we saw Everything happened all of off season last year. Yeah, looking forward to a return to normalcy for sure. I think everyone will benefit that you know from that in a big way. We'll touch on that as we get into you know spring practice discussion on on some of the guys that I think will really you know benefit from having these few weeks and getting together with guys. Uh, like I said. Uh, in the opener, it made such a big impact on college football. You saw that some of the football just was not pretty, especially early in the season. Spring practice will, will certainly help kind of clean some of that up. And for Wisconsin, I think they needed a lot of different positions just to get guys right. So it should be a lot of fun to discuss that. But before we do that, got some basketball news, some big news. Um, there's, of course, Nate Reavers announcing that he is intending to transfer um, to use up his last year of, of eligibility outside of Wisconsin basketball. Kind of a surprise, I think, for some. Um, it kind of came across, and, and I don't think really a lot of people expected it. So what did you make of, of that announcement from Nate Reavers? Yeah, I mean, Im- immediately it, it, it didn't make a ton of sense because I think most people assumed that Nate was going to go on and, and try his hand professionally, whether that be here in the United States or if it was going to be overseas. But But then the more you think about it, when you look at kind of how 2021 – um, didn't necessarily go his way. It, it, he didn't have nearly the season I think he would have hoped for. It, it, it makes sense for him to maybe try to find a different spot and, and see playing time, but maybe have a, a chance to, to revamp his game a little bit. Um, I, I know Wisconsin, if he would have been back, he would have, he would have definitely been playing. He would have been one of their top, top players, but, um, best of luck to him wherever it goes, but it, he needs to do some things on both ends of the court to kind of better his game so he can take that next step. And um, it, it seems like he, he feels like it's in his best interest to go elsewhere at this point. 
Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to watch. You know, it's it's not often you see guys that that had such success at a school transfer out. I mean, oftentimes there's a situation, you know, um, you know, where maybe you're not getting the playing time or you're not getting the the minutes that you want to. Nate Reavers had, you know, of course, played a lot of basketball, a lot of quality basketball for Wisconsin. It's just maybe it's time for him to to go off and and find a fresh start. You know, I, I think you made a great point with him kind of trying to. You know, re-jump start, you know, his career. Of course, this year didn't go how he wanted it to. So if you're entering into, you know, possibly playing professionally somewhere, you know, I, I think it makes sense to maybe come back, refocus your your game a little bit, try to, you know, ha- return to what he was earlier in his career. You know, this year was obviously a weird year with, with the pandemic going on. So maybe Nate Reavers can go and just get a fresh start, you know, have a solid season to go out and, and then test that professional waters um, later on so it's good for him I think you know once you once the dust settles you know I think at first it was kind of a you know, taking it back surprise that a guy that has played so much and done so much at Wisconsin was looking to transfer but you know given just the way this year has kind of went I think it makes sense for him and, and for his career so I'm looking forward to see um, you know how he does uh, at his future endeavors and, and where he ends up I think is probably the next um, you know point to kind of pay attention to he's a guy from you know of course from Minnesota from this area so it's going to be interesting to see where he possibly lands uh, as a transfer that way. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota would make a ton of sense. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> but um, in in looking at kind of his career arc, he, he's a guy similar to Brad Davison, who I know we're still waiting on to make a decision where he didn't redshirt. He came in immediately. Most people assumed he was going to redshirt, had intended to redshirt for most of it, still ended up starting 15 games his, his true freshman season which was a very chaotic season due to to injuries and all sorts of different variables at play in 2018. But the biggest thing here is wherever he ends up, he he needs to find his his shot from outside. That was something that really um, took a huge dip this past year. He went from shooting 38% from three in um, 2019, dropped that drop down last year to to 30%. 33%, which, which isn't terrible when you're, when you're a, a stretch big and when you're also being able to grab close to five rebounds, two blocks a game, but it's not nearly as good when it comes to the fact that this past season dropped that down to 28% from three, far fewer rebounds, over a, almost a rebound and a half less per game, and then almost a full block less per game. You saw kind of it, it fall apart a little bit on both ends of the court for him, and uh, hopefully he can find that somewhere else. And hopefully it's not in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, it, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But you got to hope that he can find his footing, like you mentioned, and get back to you know the player that he was. You know, it's in there. It's just you know this year just kind of had a rough year and, and never really got it going. I had he had flashes of it again, but you know that there's a better Nate Reavers in there that can uh, come out. So hopefully he can find his footing and uh, and become that player that he once was. Speaking of transfers, uh, Wisconsin got a nice bit of news in the transfer market. Isaac Lindsay, formerly of Mineral Point and with the UNLV running Rebels, has accepted a preferred walk-on for Wisconsin basketball, so he'll be coming back to the home state after starting his career out at UNLV. We'll have four years of eligibility um, as a preferred walk-on for the Badgers, so I think that's a really nice get. You look at the team right now, Wisconsin's got minutes. Um, I'm not sure how much Isaac Lindsay will play right away, but I think in terms of landing a, a high skill at a preferred walk-on spot, I think this makes a lot of sense and is a win for the Badgers. So what did you make of, of that announcement from him? 
I think he is a high upside walk-on mm-hmm. that could really turn into something for the Badgers. We've seen different walk-ons come in at different times. You know, Zach Schulter probably be, be, being the, the best um, example or recent example of it. But he brings good size at six foot four. He's a good shooter. Um, can he was a two-time All-State kid from from the state, so he you can tell that he he wants to come back home. He wants to to put on a Wisconsin jersey, which is, I think is half the battle a lot of times when it comes to being a walk-on. It's just the heart and grit that goes into it. But I think between him and Carter Gilmore, you now have two guys who were very very talented players and and gave up scholarship opportunities to go ahead and walk on at Wisconsin. You've got to hope that one of those guys pays pays off. And if one of those guys do, I think you're in a really good spot. Um, Lindsey's more of a, you know, 2-3 uh, where he could play either the guard or, you know, a forward position. But And Gilmore's more of a forward. But between those two, it gives you a, a nice uh, fallback option if some of these scholarship guys that you have – uh, don't necessarily pan out. And if if Lindsey can get back to how he was playing before that hip, hip injury um, sidelined him from basically missing his entire se- senior season and freshman year at UNLV, he's a really good player that I think could, could help the Badgers in a lot of ways, most notably as a shooter, because that's what this team desperately needs. And that's something that he can bring, um, whether that be eventually down the road or even as quick as next season. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that uh, can knock the shots down. So I, I like that you mentioned high upside. I think that's, you know, you're not tying up a scholarship. But you're getting a home, you know, a kid, you know, from this home state that wants to be a Badger, and you're bringing in a lot of talent with that as well. So I think it's a win-win for both sides, and um, I think it's a, a welcome sign for Wisconsin. There's, you know, of course, a lot of roster turnover. This is a nice spot that gives you some depth, like you mentioned, at some of those positions. So I think it'll be a win-win uh, for both sides that way. All right, moving on down the line here. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it was a pretty ugly hockey game, but Wisconsin men's hockey, unfortunately, bowed out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Really just an ugly loss all around. Uh, a couple days later, Cole Caulfield signed his contract with the Montreal Canadiens. So, uh, unfortunate ending. I know they didn't want to end the season uh, losing two straight, but, uh, yeah, I, really, I guess that's really all you can say about it. There's no silver lining that I can come up with on that one. Yeah, there's not much positive you can make of of basically how these last couple of weeks have gone for the men's hockey team. Um, but you, you look at it, it's it's one of those things where I would imagine that this team's going to look back and, and kick themselves that they didn't necessarily take advantage of what Cole Caulfield did all year long. I mean, this he's a phenomenal player, one of the best players to come out of Wisconsin in, in some time. And really just an exciting to player any time that the puck hit his stick. He he had the opportunity to score and he even did it against Bemidji State. He 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 does his part frequently, but in the end you can't give up six goals and expect to win. Um Wisconsin just in both of those final two losses weren't able to play good enough defense. They had Bad turnovers in front of the net that that kind of made life really tough for the goaltenders and that's that's you can blame some of that on just really crummy ice conditions but you got to remember that Bemidji State was skating on that same ice mm-hmm. and they were aggressive they came out and wanted it more and Wisconsin 
looked flat for a lot of the game, and um, you know Bemidji State just completely in that in that first period outshot them, and and were able to take advantage of really a lot of miscues by Wisconsin um, throughout the game. Yeah, yeah, it was really unfortunate. They just kind of got behind too early. You thought if it was you know something, you kept it within a couple goals that this Wisconsin offense was going to wake up. But every time it seemed like they got close to, to narrowing the gap, they gave up a um, you know a poor goal. Of course, the the, the goaltender fumble that, that led to a goal really seemed like it might have sealed the deal, and it just just an unfortunate loss. But I think this season overall um, definitely brought some life back to Wisconsin men's hockey. You've seen how dominant the women's program can be. The men's program the last few years has really been struggling. So them to return to playing well, of course, winning the Big Ten regular season, having an unfortunate finish in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament is is a bummer. But I think that hopefully gets Wisconsin men's hockey back to the level that they can play at. So tough loss, but I guess if there is a silver lining, it's a little one right there. But you don't need to spend too much time on that uh, that ugly loss. That was a, a frustrating way to start the weekend for sure. Yeah, it was it was ugly, and it – it was it was one of those where you, you could turn it off fairly quick. <laughs> exactly, where exactly. You saw kind of how that game was going and how Wisconsin was just fumbling the puck all over the place. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. All right, well, we'll keep moving here. Well, why don't we do our ad reads before we get into a football talk? I think we've got a lot to discuss on the spring practice part. So, guys, stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and we'll be right back to talk some football. All right, spring football is upon us. Exciting time of year for college football programs across the country. You get to get a look at the guys after what seems like a long winter and, uh, of course, the fall season ending. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of storylines to watch, I think, for, for the Badgers. I think there's a lot of key position battles to look at. So we'll kind of start with storylines, and, and we'll get into there, and then we'll go through and, and talk about some position battles that to, to kind of pay attention to because I think – there's some positions where you've got, uh, I think, a key starter. You kind of know what you've got there. But there's some other ones that you're going to want to keep an eye on in the spring practice to maybe get a read on. You know, no one's going to win the job in spring football, but at least you'll get an idea of what you're going to have going into fall and then some guys to pay attention to. Kind of an opportunity not only for the players to learn and, and get a grasp of the offense, the defense, um, before fall camp really starts up, but also you kind of get an eye and, and guys get a chance to show what they've got and try to make a jump on the roster and uh, and the the depth chart that way. So it should be a lot of fun. In terms of storyline, is there anything in particular that you've got your eyes on that you want to start with? Yeah, I mean, I I think the spot to start is that quarterback and Mm -hmm. um, specifically how Graham Mertz looks. And I think that's where it has to start, given what we saw last year, how high, sky-high expectations are for uh, him as a young player. and um, just kind of the uneven play that we saw from him last year. Now that Jack Cohn's gone, there's no security blanket behind him to, to say, oh, yeah, well, if, if it's not working with him, we've got an established guy that we could turn to. Um, and there's really not a quarterback controversy. There's no competition. Like, the staff is going to go out of their way and say that, yep, Chase Wolf is involved in, in fighting for it, Danny Vandenboom, you know, Daniel Wright even. Um, I still can't get over that they have a six foot eight quarterback, but um, the the fact that Mertz is the clear cut guy and how he looks with all all the wide receivers back, you know, for pretty much. I mean, you've got Crumholtz not here, you've got some some walk ons who are gone, but for the majority, you've got your scholarship guys back, guys that you haven't seen in a while. How does he look 
managing the offense as a, in total, but then how does he look in throwing to some of these wide receivers? Because I think that's one of the major storylines that you can see definitively in spring. It's it's not going to be full go. It's not going to tell you what it's really going to look like when the lights are on and you're playing on the road somewhere big time, but um, or even in the opener against Penn State. But it it will give you some insight as to how has he progressed and how has his rapport with the wide receivers, um, how does that look at this point in time? Because I think there's a lot of good young wide receivers. There's some really good established receivers at the top as well. How does he look throwing to them is, is one of the main storylines, and I would assume is going to dominate a lot of the media coverage early in camp. Yeah, I like that's where you started because that's the, on my notes that I've got written down here. I wrote uh, development of Graham Mertz is kind of my first storyline to watch. I think, you know, like you mentioned, there's not a competition here. I think Graham Mertz is, is undoubtedly the guy. I you know I know they'll they'll kind of give you the the rah rah with the rest of the guys, but this is Graham Mertz's team um, to to go out and it's going to be interesting to see where he's at because last episode when we when we kind of talked about the position. Preview and review, we mentioned a lot of outside factors in, in terms of the pandemic. You know, you had wide receivers hurt. The offense was in all sorts of shambles. He was running over to the sideline to get the play, running back in. And I think those are all huge factors. But there were still some times where Graham Mertz, I think, he would even admit and, and say, you know, he could play better. He can, he can be better than what he was. So just kind of seeing where he's at in terms of development. You've, now you've had an off season to work with. Uh, you know this. He didn't have a spring practice last year. I, I think sometimes that gets forgotten in terms of how how important it is and how much he can develop that way. So I, I think that has to be where you start because if if Graham Mertz is able to play again, I don't think he's going to be you know one incompletion against Illinois. But if he's able to elevate his game to to where I think a lot of us think he can be and where we've seen him be. You know, in that Illinois game, in some of his high school tape, Under Armour, all, or all the All-American games that he was a part of, you know the talent that he's got there. The development just needs to take a step up. So, of course, those outside factors not being in play as much will will be great. But if it doesn't step up, all of a sudden you have to take a look at, you know, a little bit further in depth at maybe what the issue here is. But I fully expect Graham Merch to come out this spring and fall and, and be a much better and crisper and cleaner quarterback. But in terms of storylines, I, I think – He's 1A in, in what you're looking at, where he's at, and I think that'll be the, the thing that really makes this offense go and, and kind of be the thing to watch for. Sticking on the offense, do you have, do you have any other storylines that really jump out to you? I know we're going to get into actual battles later on, but any other storylines for the offense that you you think are going to be major talking points for the offseason? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it'll be a major talk, talking point, but something that I was kind of paying attention to is uh, similar to Graham Mertz and where he's at. I'm really interested to see where Jalen Berger's at. Um, you know, of course, coming into this year, you're not going to have Nikia Watson, Garrett Groshek. Those are the two guys that you looked at as being starters coming into last year. This year, they're gone, and now you've got Jalen Berger and uh, a bunch of other guys that are, are somewhat unproven. So I'd like to see kind of where he's at, maybe in terms of size. You know, if you're looking at it, uh, I kind of wrote, when I wrote up our preview piece for spring practice uh, about the running back room, I went back to the 2019 um, stats and looked at the carries. And, and when you look at Jonathan Taylor, of course, he was dominant in your bell cow, but he had a lot of carries that you're going to have to now replace. You look at Garrett Groshek, Nikia Watson, Bradrick Shaw, all those guys had carries in that last full season. So, there's a lot that you can still that you're going to need to fill in that running back room. You know, last year Jalen Berger kind of had 
I don't want to say training wheels because I don't think it was by design for him, but 15 carries and in really all of his games, they were definitely limiting where he was. And part of that is, of course, that he was out a few games, um, you know, that way with the suspected, you know, COVID case and in that way. So that's part of it. But also I'd like to see where he's at size, if he's ready to take on that, you know, 25 to, you know, I don't know how many times they'll be getting him 30, but if he's playing well and being dominant, I could definitely see them trying to get the ball in his hands that many times. So where he's at, I think physically is going to be important to watch for in terms of is he ready to take on that true Big Ten full season running back one type position at Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up that one because that was that was the other one I had penciled down as well because you look at what he put together. It, he played in only four games last year, and, and let's be let's be honest, the team only played in seven, so it wasn't like it was anything crazy where he, he didn't get a lot of touches because of everything. But he only played in four games, and traditionally that would have meant he would have redshirted, right? Like it, you could have looked at this like he played in what normally – a player would have seen in a traditional redshirt season with the four-game four maximum allotment in place. And so, um, all in all, he played phenomenally well. He was by far their best running back uh, most of the season. I know Garrett Groshek had a really good game against Minnesota, but you look at it, Berger was their most consistent player that they could trust, 15 carries each game. The Wake Forest um, output wasn't – Awesome. He only averaged a little over two yards a carry. But you look at that Michigan, Northwestern, Indiana, those are three very good defenses. Um, I think Michigan proved to not be quite as good defensively as um, most people figured them to be. But Northwestern and Indiana, two of the better defenses in, in the entire nation and especially in the Big Ten. And he put up nearly 100 yards on both of them, ran well, averaged, averaged really well in terms of yards per carry. So I think he's in a spot where he's he's your guy. Now it's a matter of how do you build the offense around him and Mertz so how to best utilize their talents because Berger didn't catch a ball outside of that Michigan game where he had two receptions, and that's something he can do, and that's something he's very talented at. And so I'm interested to see kind of how do they take that the the main establishment that they have that he learned last year that he's got to see in practice that he got to um, learn on the field about the speed and and grow what they expect from him and, and how much they put on his plate because we talked about that similarly with Mertz but Berger he's even a year younger and and he he was kind of thrown in the fire early last year out of necessity can he elevate his game and can the offense under Paul Christ put him in spaces to get big plays? Because he was one of their big play threats at times last year, but at the same time, he didn't have the huge breakout runs that we saw from Jonathan Taylor, and that's a partly a product of Jonathan Taylor being a freak. But it's also um, just a matter of putting him, him in a position to use his talent best. So that's another thing I'm going to be watching is not only how does Jalen Berger look ready to take on a larger role, but how does the offense look to put him in a space to utilize his talents to the best capabilities? Because I think that's something that the offense lacked last year in a lot of ways and that I'm excited to see what Paul Chris can do to, to give Berger the ball, but make sure they use it, do it in a way that maximizes his talents. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You talk about when he was coming into Wisconsin, early in his recruitment, 
there was talks that, you know, he could be, you know, probably a running back, but if you had to line him up at right receiver, he's got a lot of talent in, in that department of coming out of the backfield, making plays, whether it be, you know, just, you know, in the passing game, throwing it to the running back or design screens, plays for him to get out in space. So I think that's a great point when you talk about the offense kind of being revamped, going back to, to Paul Christ here now. While, while Berger's you know, status and development is going to be important, I think it's a great point that, yeah, the, the offense needs to kind of fixate around how they can put both of those guys in the strongest position possible. So I think that's uh, an interesting an interesting point to watch here in the spring practice that way. I was um, gonna say, any like, other storylines? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say to further illustrate that, you think back to how the Steelers used Le'Veon Bell so frequently where they would split him out sometimes. You get Jalen Berger on a linebacker in the Big Ten, a big burly linebacker who's trying to cover him in space, you you take that slant route all day. And so that's something that I think when you don't necessarily – the Badgers have a bunch of guys at wide receiver. They don't have the Cephas. They don't have the Abergeris, the guy who you know is is the go-to player. Use Jalen Berger a little bit in, in that space to get him out and make things tough on a defense because not only does that help your – Running back, get him, get him touches, but it also gives the defense something else that they have to plan for, and it and it gives away the coverage a lot of times for what the defense is trying to do. And I think that's something that Wisconsin could use a little bit more next year. Most definitely. I think that'll be an interesting part to watch as you get a little bit of a look and, and kind of hear what's going on at spring practice that way. In terms of storylines, I know those are the big two. Anything else you've got your eyes on in, in terms of storylines to watch before we get to kind of some key position battles? I think for me, the other storyline to to watch is going to be on the defensive end, and it's going to be around kind of what is that linebacker rotation and defensive rotation line rotation look like? Because you've you've got some turnover, you got some some changes there. Um, Noah Burks is obviously back, but you've got a lot of really young guys. You've got Isaiah Green May coming back in as well, and. They've been just stockpiling some of these outside linebacker, jumbo outside linebacker types, like an Aaron Witt, who's 6'6", 240, and that's before a full offseason of workouts and everything. Um, and, and you look at a guy like uh, TJ Bowlers, how does Jim Leonard get creative with some of these guys and knowing that, hey, some of the defensive linemen that they have might be ready to play, might not be. Um, do do they go more two down in in front? Do they get more creative with how they use some of their linebackers? Do they do they get a little bit more hybrid up front? I'm I'm fascinated to watch kind of how the defense looks and who's getting reps there because I think there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of guys that they need to get on the field if you're wanting your best players out there and it's going to definitely take some creativity for Leonard to to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great point as well. You know, you look at the defense. I know we, we talked about it a little bit already with, with the offense in terms of you know, putting guys in the right position to succeed. It's going to take a, a similar kind of conversation on the defensive side to make sure that the guys that he's playing and the guys that are out there at all the positions are put in a position to succeed. I think that's where spring practice can really give you the opportunity to to work on some of these things, find the things that work before you're into fall camp. I mean. Once you get into fall camp after a couple of weeks, it's game week, you're prepping. Spring, you get a little bit more flexibility that you can iron out some things, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work, and allow some players to, to get into position to, to really succeed. So 
a lot of these positions, outside linebackers, I, I think a key one that we'll talk about here in a little bit as well, it, it's going to be important that the coaching staff and the players are in a similar position where they're set up to succeed because I think that makes a huge difference in terms of uh, you know success come fall football and once you're getting into more you know game prep and things like that. You've already got some of that stuff already ironed out, which is what makes spring football so important. All right, I think in terms of storylines, that kind of wraps up um, what we've got. I know the other one that I was going to mention was um, the health of Caden Lyles. I, I think we'll talk about that maybe a little bit with the outside line or in, or the outside linebacker, the offensive line and where they're at in terms of matchups and positions. So we'll we'll move into here position battles. Is there a key position battle that you've got your eye on to to start things out? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say this offensive line. I think mm-hmm. that is you look at Wisconsin and. That is their bread and butter. That is what the entire offense, that's really what the program is built on, is just toughness with your offensive line and using using what you can from inside the state, which is massive humans, to win in the trenches. And we saw last year that at times the Wisconsin offensive line wasn't as dominated dominating as it has been in the past. I thought there was times where they played really well, but there was also moments where the offensive line didn't do enough to help out the running game and the passing game. And I think if you look at it, John Dietzen having him back was awesome. He, he was a player that was huge in being able to kind of give them a stopgap to help them out. Cole Van Lannan, he, there's a reason he's going to be getting drafted here in, in a few weeks for the NFL draft. But I think you look at some of these younger guys, they're really athletic. And I think that's something that's really, when Wisconsin's been at their best, they've had really good athletic linemen. And Wisconsin's just bringing in so many talented players. You've got even a, uh, a kid like um, Riley Mullman, who's enrolling early on campus. See kind of what he looks like at six foot eight, six nine, um, at tackle, and and infusing this youth into it. Um, where are guys like Jack Nelson, Trey Wedig, who are both really highly recruited kids? Logan Brown, obviously a five star kid. Where are they at in their development, and are they ready to? to push their way into the starting lineup because you mentioned Caden Lyles as a guy who he, he started a bunch of games for this team, both on offense and defense, but is, is he healthy? What is, what is his workload look like in the spring or does it open up opportunities for, for some of these younger guys, like even a Joe Tipman who we didn't see at all last year, who had gotten reps at center. Um, are they able to kind of push out a guy like Josh Seltzner and, and maybe make this offensive line a little bit more athletic because I do think Jack Nelson's a wild card this spring as a guy who could who could make a huge leap and and get his nose in there. He was in the two deep as a freshman, so I think the left guard center position. I think your your other spots are pretty well sewn up, but that left guard center position is going to be really intriguing. And there's a lot of young guys who are going to try to try to to make the staff put their best five out there and and make sure that they're in there. Yeah, I think everything you said was uh, a great point. You look at, I think when you look at the development of some of these young guys, that's going to be interesting to watch. Whenever we get that roster, I don't know about you, but uh, usually I go through and I'm just looking at heights and weights to see where some of these guys are at because that's the big thing, especially on the offensive line because some of these guys can completely <laughs> change their bodies from one through one offseason and, and get to be – these big behemoths of guys that can then really push people around and dominate football games. So that part's going to be interesting. And, yeah, like you mentioned, some of these young guys are now getting worked into the fold where 
they can they can make an impact this year if if they come out in spring ball and prove that they're ready to go. You you know Joe Rudolph, especially this year coming back and kind of honing his focus in on just the offensive line, not worrying about calling plays. He's going to have his best five guys out there. He'll move it around as he needs to. I think, like you mentioned, that left guard center position is really the ones you're going to watch closely, and the other ones have, I would say, leaders in the clubhouse going into spring ball and, and fall ball. But, again, on the offensive line with Caden Lyles, there's guys that can get injured. So you want to have a solid you know, group that you can lot, you know, go with as starters, but also you got you want to have some competition there where – Maybe it's neck and neck in case some of those injuries goes down and, and you can move things around because it's likely the starting five that you go into Penn State with is, is probably not going to be the same starting five that you have later in the season. You know, it's a physical position. Guys get banged up. Guys get moved around. So having some depth there and, and seeing where these young guys are in terms of development is going to be a fascinating battle because when we talked about the offensive line, the the, the recruiting that they're doing is is so strong right now. They're getting so many good players, but there's only five spots in there. So that's going to make the competition really fun to watch to see where these guys are at and uh, and really push each other to for playing time. Because there's probably ten guys that you feel comfortable you know moving in somewhere, but there's five spots. So that's a lot of guys competing for 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 some spots here in the future and should make the the battle uh, really exciting. For sure, yeah. I think offensive line is is. The, the major spot, at least that I'm thinking about with with uh, this offseason to, to watch for battles. But the defensive line as well is, mm-hmm. is another one that I think is, is major because you've got Matt Henningsen coming back, but he's also coming off of an injury. Um, is, is he full go for spring? Is he involved with everything? Um, but then Isaiah Mullins, he, he's a kid who's kind of bided his time. Is he ready to take on an even bigger role? We've seen him do some nice things. Um, but is is he ready, or is a, a redshirt freshman like Cade McDonald ready to to help out? He's huge at six six two seventy. Um, could he take on that role of Isaiah Loudermilk? Wisconsin usually there's always a couple kids who break out after a redshirt season, and and I know that this isn't really a traditional redshirt year because of the eligibility clock was paused. But you look at it a year in the program, a year in the weight room. And he's he's a guy, or James Thompson, who I know has battled his own injuries, is another player that could easily jump in there. And then you've got younger guys like Gio Paez, Rodas Johnson. So I think the the two deep defensive line um, is going to be another really big battle to try to figure it out. I think there's starting spots up for grabs on the opposite side of Henningsen. And then there's also those spots behind because everything just pops up when you lose Rand as well as Laudermilk. And which guys are going to step up to play. It, it's kind of make or break time here for a guy like Paez, for a guy like Rodas Johnson, who I know that they're still really young. I mean, they, they're just sophomores in terms of, or of school, and they're really just going to be redshirt freshmen still in terms of eligibility on the football field. But at the same time, if they get passed up by a guy like Cade McDonald, and then you've got younger guys coming up behind them, you've got an incoming transfer that we just talked with, there's a lot of moving pieces here and a lot of playing time up for grabs along the defensive line outside of the nose tackle position. Yeah, I think you've got a, of course, you've got a solid you know, nose tackle in, in Bryson Williams that way and uh, Keanu Benton. You've got two that you can really rely on. But after that, who's going to step up at the defensive end positions is going to be really important, especially, you know, added in the, you don't know where Matt Henningsen's at as that defensive end. You've got guys that there that, 
Um, you know, you, you, you like the potential of them, but you haven't seen a lot. You know, Garrett Rand and, I, and Isaiah Loudermilk are guys that played a lot of football for a lot of years at Wisconsin. I know they battled injuries, but, you know, as, as seniors, they were out there a lot throughout their career. So who are going to be the guys that, that step up? You need strong, you know, quality defensive ends that can, can eat up blocks that way. So is it going to be a, a guy like uh, Cade McDonald? You know, Isaiah Loudermilk was 6'7". 300 pounds. McDonald was, you know, his size-wise at 6'6", how much weight is he put on to maybe be a guy that can start a defensive end in the Big Ten that way. So I think in terms of positions to watch for, and I don't know if you can necessarily say there's there's two guys competing, you know, at a, as a key position battle, but I think it's just a position to watch to see who's going to be there because there's a group of five, six guys that certainly could be but you've got to see it in spring ball, and you'll have to see it this fall continuing on because that's such a key position in the Big Ten. You're going against these strong offensive lines, these strong run games. You've got to have high-quality defensive ends, and sometimes Wisconsin hasn't had that, and, and they've suffered. So they've got names, but I totally agree with you that this is going to be a position that you're going to want to see who develops and, and who takes the kind of the bull by the horns and becomes a starter on that defensive end position. For sure. What's another spot that you – primarily wanted to, to focus on talking about today? I think another one that I've got my eye on is, it feels like we've had this conversation every year coming into spring ball, but kind of the offensive, or offensive, outside linebacker position. I think for years now you've had, um, coming into the year, you're looking at a guy like Isaiah Greenmay. You know, you've got, uh, of course, a young guy in Caden Johnson. You've got Aaron Witt. You've got CJ Getz, who played a little bit last year. You're looking at the inside. You've got guys that you can rely on in Sanborn and Chennault. But who are going to be the guys on the edge and the outside that are able to get after the quarterback? We saw a couple years ago when Wisconsin was firing all cylinders. Zach Bond was making plays at the outside. Chris Orr was kind of that hybrid coming in the blitz on the inside. But you had guys that you could really go with um, you know, and rely on. Last year, they didn't have a lot of a pass rush. The outside linebackers were struggling to get to the quarterback. The defense kind of felt that. You know, you've, you had some cornerbacks. You had some pass plays that – were given up that were, were kind of just lack of pressure, allowing the quarterback to sit and, and throw. So I think who steps up at that outside linebacker position, similar to the defensive end position, you've got a group of five, six guys that can make a name for themselves you know, outside of, of some of the, um, you know, the Nick Herbigs of the world like that, but there's going to be someone that's going to have to take on the role, even if it's just a rotation player, as a backup. So maybe that two deep, once again, at outside linebacker is going to be an interesting one. You know, you've got Spencer Lytle, another guy. There's all sorts of names um, that can make a name for themselves, along with Burks that way. So it's going to be an interesting battle to see who ends up as the the starters, but also the guys that are rotating in. Because you know Jim Leonard likes to keep his outside linebackers rotated and fresh. So there's going to be need to be a step up from someone in this in this two deep. Yeah, for sure. I, I think being dynamic with that group is is going to be really important, and and the two deep is a big is a, a big part of it because you're going to have Noah Burks, you're going to have uh, as well as Nick Herbig, two guys who who played a lot of minutes last last year and should be able to help you out a lot. CJ Getz played a ton last year. Spencer mm-hmm. Lytle came on late last year, and he's probably their best guy in coverage that they can drop out there. He he can do a lot of nice things. And then Aaron Witt is is a guy that I think is a wild card because he, he played really well late last year. So Lytle and Witt were guys who I think emerged as the season went on, and, and they were just freshmen last year. Maybe those are guys to, to watch and see if they can push Noah Burks a little bit. I think Herbig's going to be a starter either way because I mm-hmm. think – 
just he is the dynamic player that they need at that outside spot. Um, and he gives you a little bit more juice, a little bit more bend, a little more quickness. But the other side, can somebody push Noah Burks, maybe getting in a rotation with Noah Burks, and or, or maybe force Jim Leonard to get really creative to try to get his top maybe five linebackers out there at times and, and use a jumbo, like an Aaron Witt, for example. I, I think that's going to be a fascinating position, that, and I'm glad that you brought that one up. Yeah, that one's going to be a contentious spot. You know, the, I, I think you look at a guy like Noah Burks, didn't have the season that he would have wanted last year. Again, it was a weird season. I don't know how much you can read into it, but he's going to be a guy that needs to, once again, prove himself and, and kind of you know deserve that, a lot of time at that outside linebacker spot. I can certainly see it. I can see him getting uh, a bulk of the snaps, but it's not going to be without some guys behind him you know, kind of pushing it. So I think outside linebacker, once again, it seems like these last couple of years have been the, the talking points uh, on the defensive side of the, of the football, and I think that'll be a spot that, thankfully, you have some names there. It's just a matter of, of seeing some production and seeing what uh, some of these younger guys that haven't played as much. You know, we saw glimpses of them. But can they put it together and be there for a full slate of, of, of college football season? Yeah, and kind of jumping back to the offense, I think another spot that's going to be fascinating to watch, and it's, it's specifically because it's spring practice, I think it's so important, is going to be running back again. And I know we, we mm-hmm. talked a lot about Jalen Berger, and I don't think anybody is going to replicate what he brings to the table and over, uh, jump over him in the depth chart. But that number two running back gets a whole bunch of carries. You mentioned earlier that a lot of carries are up for grabs here. Um, and you don't have Garrett Groshek. You don't have Nikia Watson. There's a lot of different um, carries that can be grabbed here. And playing time, if somebody can emerge as the third down back to spell Jalen Berger, that's a huge role that you're going to see a lot of playing time. And there's really – you've got a, a very small amount of players that are going to be there this spring. You've got Julius Davis. You've got Isaac Garendo. You've got Brady Shipper. All three guys, um, both Shipper and, and Garendo, are, are guys who have played a little wide receiver and uh, have kind of dealt with injuries, tried to make a role, and we've seen at times. I mean, Garendo was supposed to be one of the top three running backs last year before he got hurt um, after that first game. Julius Davis. Where's he at? Is, is, is he at a spot where they're going to trust him and give him more carries as well? So I think if one of those three can emerge to show that, hey, I'm going to be the number two running back this year, that would be huge. And that's, that's a position because if none of them emerge, none of them really grab that role, you're, you're, you've got three freshmen coming in that could easily overtake you. And then not only are you, are you behind Jalen Berger, but you're also behind another freshman. And that's not what any of these guys want. And that's when kind of sometimes transfers and tough decisions kind of pop up. So I think it's, it's, it's a huge moment this spring for Julius Davis, Isaac Rendo, Brady Shipper to make some moves here and, and try to firm up a spot in the rotation in the running back room. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need some depth there. When you look at it, you know, kind of like what I hinted at earlier, in 2019 there were 454 carries between the likes of Taylor, Groshek, Watson, uh, and Bradrick Shaw. So you look at that's basically, you know, you're going to probably plan on, you know, if if it all goes the way you want it to, I would think you try to get Jalen Berger close to that 300 mark, but that's still 154-ish carries uh, available to, to someone else plus um, you know, the gap that way. So, and it's 
going to come from guys that have not played a lot of football. That 2019 season, which I go back to just because last year was such a weird season, only seven games, you know, you had a guy like Nikia Watson getting 75 touches. And I would think the disparity between running back one and running back two probably isn't going to be as big because Jalen Berger is not Jonathan Taylor yet. So you're going to need a number two, a number three to, to really step up and, and take on that role. You know, I, I think Brady Shipper is a guy who's kind of being groomed into that Garrett Groshek third down running back role. I think he could do that well. So there's other guys, Julius Davis and um, in that group, Isaac Rendo. And then you've got, like you mentioned, the freshman coming in, Loyal Crawford, Antoine Roberts. Not sure where Jackson Akers is going to be, but there's a group there that is going to need to make a big jump in terms of production. We really didn't see a lot. Of, you know, We saw one carry from Julius Davis last year. Garenda was hurt most of the year. So who else takes on a role aside from Jalen Berger is going to be, I think, really important to not just Jalen Berger's success to have someone that can spell him, but Wisconsin offense uh, as a whole. Wisconsin never really goes with just one guy. There's always someone else with as much as they run the football. So who steps up behind him and, and works his way into that running back two and, and third down running back position I think is going to be crucial. Yeah, I, I think – and to mirror what's happening at the running back position in terms of this is a huge spring to make sure that some of the freshmen don't overtake you. Um, on the defensive end, I would say it's very similar at the safety position because I think you've got your two starters. You've got Nelson, you've got Wilder as probably the guys. Um, I, I think Wilder, somebody could maybe push for that job and, and overtake him. I don't think anybody's taken over Scott Nelson because I think he's going to be one of the vocal leaders of the defense. The dude talks, and he talks a lot. But uh, I, you look at with Bur- Burrell gone, you've got Madison Cohn gone. That's, that's a lot to, to kind of replace in your defense. Can a, young, can a guy like Travion Blaylock, who's been in the program for a bunch of years, can he, he kind of wiggle his way in there? Is Titus Toller healthy and able to kind of push for more playing time? He was in the two deep starting off last year, got that pick against Michigan, but then dropped off the face of the earth due to injury and, and whatnot. Maybe John Torchio is a guy who's going to try to make a, a move as well in, in that room. I think those three guys, Torchio, Toller, and Travion Blaylock, this is a big opportunity for them to – to show Jim Leonard, hey, I sh- I'm going to be in the two deep. I can help you out. I can push Wilder. Um, because if they don't, Hunter Wooler is going to come in like a bat out of hell, and he's going to take playing time because that kid's good. And he might be mm-hmm. the best player they brought in the entire class, and he might be one of the top safeties they've brought in in some time. And so I would imagine that Hunter Wooler is going to be a player that's going to play potentially as a freshman, and it's it's up to some of these older guys to to force Jim Leonard's hand to make sure that that Wooler is a year away and, and is only going to play special teams or maybe redshirt, and that he's got enough in the upperclassmen to not have to to use him. But if not, I don't think Leonard's going to have any reservation to let the freshman play and play early, whether that be as a starter or as, as a reserve. I would assume more of like a third or fourth mm-hmm. safety, but. But really, I think it's important that these guys take the governor off and, and let it roll because because I can tell you right now, Hunter Wooler is the real deal. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that room because you know, of course, we talked about Reggie Pearson, him not being medically cleared, you know, transferring out. That that all of a sudden takes away some depth at that safety position that you kind of expected to have back. So so now the guy like Scott Nelson is probably the the one that you can firmly say is going to be out there most of the time. Colin Wilder's a guy that I think could, but 
Um, we, we still maybe need to see a little bit more, and, and now that he's going to be into a possible full-time role. And then, yeah, that, that rest of that group, Blaylock, Toller, you've seen it now the last couple of years where some of these incoming freshmen, these younger guys, you look at Nick Herbig, some of these younger guys that have been higher-rated recruits. Now, I know you can only take – got to take recruiting numbers with a grain of salt, but they do matter, and you've seen some of these younger guys getting on the field earlier at Wisconsin at some of these positions than in years past because they're that good. So a guy like Hunter Waller is definitely in that position where he could make a run at thing, and, and all of a sudden you've got um, you know a freshman jumping over some of these you know sophomores and, and juniors in that group that way. So – that's going to be really interesting to watch for. Um, I think that group is going to be contentious. There's going to be snaps available with in that rotation. I think early on in the season, I'd be surprised to see someone starting other than um, Nelson and, and Wilder. But how the season goes, can a guy like Titus Toller works his way in? Can Hunter Roller make uh, a run at it? Or is it John Torchio that, that makes it, maybe makes a jump? So I think that safety position is definitely going to be one to watch for, not only for just this year, but who takes the reins as kind of the future? Because, you know, Colin Wilder is a senior. Scott Nelson coming in this year as, as a junior, um, you know, could possibly be back. But this is a, a group that's going to need some development behind them and, and not possibly in that rotation as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that safety position because Reggie Pearson being gone kind of accelerates the, the speed of a guy like Waller to, to maybe come in and play earlier than he expected. Yeah, and he's not coming until fall, so this is a big spring for a guy like Toller to show, hey, early in the season what you saw from me, that's what you're going to get if I'm out there. And I think he's the guy specifically that to watch because I think if anybody's going to push Wilder for playing time, it's Toller, um, at least this spring, because he, he was a very, very good recruit, played in a similar defense to what Wisconsin plays from a really top school out in the West Coast. And he, he was a big get when they got him out of St. John Bosco. Now it's a matter of him staying healthy and, and making plays because if he can come in and get his weight up a little bit, I know he was at about 5'11", 186. If he can co- come closer into where Wilder's at, at 196, you know, low at 90s even, I think that would do wonders for him in, in kind of having the strength to, to stay within the grind of being a safety in the Big Ten and and delivering the hits that you need to because Wisconsin needs some depth at that safety room. And if it's the freshmen that are going to have to come in and play, that's that's the case, and and they'll do it. I I think Braylon Allen is slowly um, weight room warrioring his way to the linebacker position, Mm -hmm. but if he he comes in – um, a little a little lighter in the fall as well. He's another guy that's really talented that could also add something to the safety room if uh, he indeed starts there. Yeah, both of those guys are, are going to come into that fall camp hungry. Of course, they don't get as much of an opportunity as in spring ball, but if they're ready to go, you know Jim Leonard's going to be uh, throwing his guys out there that, that are ready to play and, and, and proving that they're going to be out there. So that's going to be an interesting room to watch in that safety room. Kind of going off that, we talked about depth there. I, I think another one to watch on the offensive side is the tight end room. You look at it, you've got Jake Ferguson. This is going to be the last year of Jake Ferguson, I would I would, I would, guess. You know, this guy, is, he had the opportunity to go pro, decided to come back. I think it's going to be wise for him. I think he'll have a great year. But who else at that room? Of course, you, you've got Rucci, who, who played a lot last year. Is he going to take up? the next jump versus just being a body out there to being a a blocker and a pass catcher. And then after that, where are we at with a guy like Clay Cundiff? You know, Jack Eschenbach played a little bit last year. You know, we're big fans of him on the show. 
Where's a guy like Jalen <laughs> Franklin at? You know, he got, of course, moved over to that tight end position. I think he could bring you something. I think a spring football practice for him to get more accustomed to that position is really going to help him because you don't have a guy like Gabe Lloyd there anymore in terms of an upperclassman that knows the position. So where are you at with Cam Large? Where are we at with Cole Dokovich? These are young guys, but now it's time to see. And I don't think all of them have to have productive years. You've still got a really reliable tight end in, in Jake Ferguson that you're going to be throwing the ball to and using as much as you can. But who else for the future of the position kind of takes a, a step towards kind of taking the reins from Ferguson after this year? I think it's going to be important and, and fun to watch. Yeah, and I, I think you look at Cundiff, you look at Cam Large, two guys who are about 6'3", uh, 250, somewhere in there, you know, Large pushing 260. Do do one of those guys try to get a little bit more playing time and push their way into fullback to help mm-hmm. out in, in that room a bit? Because I do think Ferguson's going to be on the on the field as much as humanly possible. Rucci, I, I want to see, can he develop as a pass catcher a little bit more? Does he get opportunities to be a pass catcher now that he kind of knows what to do on the on the blocking side of things? And I, I totally am with you on the Jack Ashenbach, Jalen Franklin, a couple of young guys who – who are seem like really good pass catchers, do does Wisconsin get creative with them? I think Jalen Franklin, they moved him from outside linebacker, a spot that it seemed like he was going to be making an impact at. I wouldn't think that they'd make that move, but we've also seen a lot of times that uh, a move late in your career can be kind of the kiss of death. Can he go ahead and take advantage of this position, make a move in that room to be a kind of an H-back? I think the tight end position, there's a lot of different uh, – some playing time available there outside of uh, Ferguson and, and Rucci, but who emerges is going to be important. And I'm glad that you brought that up because Wisconsin does use three tight ends from time to time. And there is that backup fullback spot behind John Chanel, um to, to look out for Quan Easterling there, but they're going to need another fullback in that room, whether it's a walk on from, from somewhere or if it's a scholarship guy that makes a change. And, you look at Clay Cundiff specifically as a guy that I, I think he, he, he could easily make that shift if, he, if he's seeing, oh, yeah, well, I'm not going to overtake Rucci here. And some of, maybe one of the younger guys really emerges or a couple of the younger guys. Jack Pugh is going to be on campus um, this spring practicing. So I think tight end room is really fun one to watch as well. I'm glad you brought that one up. Yeah, that should be a room that uh, is it's interesting for this upcoming year and also the future, which is the ones you kind of like to watch for because you've got a, an established starter. You need a second. You need a third. Is there going to be movement to another position? I think all of that is, is fascinating. Fascinating storylines and kind of position battles to look for. Any other ones that you've got your eye on um, in this position battle? I think those are the main ones. I think wide receivers fairly established at the top of who you're going to have with everything coming back. Does can A.J. Abbott or um, Taj Mustafa force the issue and get onto the field, or is it going to be more of um, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, and then Tim Ray D.K., Devin Chandler? Because I could easily see those four being your major um, complementary pieces playing together. And then on the defensive end, can one of those younger inside linebackers step up to, to make it so that the two deep isn't just Mike Mascalunas behind Chanel and Sanborn? That like we saw last year. I think that's another one to watch as well. Um, with cornerback, both everybody pretty much coming back. That's another one where it's other than wild goose, you're you're probably going to see a lot of the same. So uh, there's a a lot of like finer nuances in between some of these positions, but I think we hit the major ones. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the last one that I was kind of looking at was 
who's going to take on the the wild goose, kind of that third nickel corner underneath type role. But I think it's going to come from a lot of the similar positions. You've got guys like Burden, Dante Burden, Dean Ingram. Uh, Deron Harrell's more of an outside guy. Alexander Smith. You, you've got you know some younger guys like Samar Melvin even Lopey, too. Samar Melvin. Yep. All those guys I think can make an opportunity. But you've got the the established starters on the outside in, in Caesar Williams and Fayon Hicks. So which one kind of takes it? Because really we, we've talked about it a couple times. Uh, you know, in the past, Wisconsin essentially starts a third corner. Maybe not in the traditional starting lineup they had, that they announced, but most part you've got a third corner that you rely on to play that position kind of exclusively and Rashad Wildhuse was that coming into last year so who takes on that role is, is going to be interesting as well uh, but for the most part I think we hit on kind of the key spots that uh, a lot of a lot of us will be looking at as we get into spring practice here no doubt all right guys well that about wraps up our preview for spring practice hopefully it got you excited about football season I know it got me um, you know, itching to, to kind of see the, some of the answers that we talked about because you know we you can bring up the questions and, and the hypotheticals, but now the fun part starts of of seeing and, and hearing um, you know where some of these guys are at in their development that way. So it should be a lot of fun as we move forward here. Uh, that also that wraps up our episode. It'll be out. This will be it is a little bit longer. We're at 56 minutes right now, um, at least preliminary. I will be out the rest of the week, so this is looking like it might be our only show of the week. We have some other stuff in the works that if we can uh, make it happen before I take off, we'll we'll certainly do that. But if not, this will give you guys a nice hour podcast uh, to kind of get you through the week that way. So maybe hit pause halfway if you're looking for uh, to space it out a little bit. But we always appreciate you guys listening. If you've got any questions in regarding spring football, you know that'll be a big topic of conversation for us going forward. So reach out um, you know, via Bucky's Recorder on any of the comment sections or you know, send us a DM that way at B5Q, and we'll certainly talk about it. We're always open to, to talking about whatever you guys are looking for. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.